Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Standing on My Soapbox, your Monday through Friday rants, raves, and reviews talk radio show with the top stories in news, politics, and pop culture. Join your host, entrepreneur Scott Fullerton, and co-host, actor and writer Craig Hurley, right here at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Live, or subscribe and download on your favorite podcast distributors, including Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple and Google Podcasts. You're also invited to call in and share whatever is on your mind at 347-989-0126 during the live shows. So here we go. Stand up on our soapbox and let's start talking. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Standing on My Soapbox. It is Thursday, October 17th, 2019. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. In just a couple of seconds, I'll be joined by my good buddy and co-host, actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley. We have a very special show for you today. In just a little while, we're going to delve deeper into pop culture today with our special guest, actor Scott Schwartz. He's co-starred films such as The Toy with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason, A Christmas Story where he iconically got his tongue stuck to that flagpole. He's adept in pop culture, trading card collecting, and child star advocacy. So we're looking forward to having him on in just a few minutes. If you have any questions for Scott Craig or I today, please give us a call over the next hour at 347-989-0126. That's 347-989-0126. So let's go ahead and uh, stand up on my soapbox and start talking. Mr. Craig Hurley, how the heck are you? I, I suddenly feel like singing Christmas carols, but dude, I, I went to Home Depot and they had the Christmas stuff out already, and it's like oh, they I have know. you know it's skeletons ridiculous. for they have skeletons for Halloween and and uh, well, you just talking about Scotty talking about Scott Schwartz and and a Christmas story and his tongue stuck to the flagpole. Um, I uh, I just you know I, I'm like I just hear those sleigh bells tingling, ring ting tingling too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I dude. I, 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 they had skeletons hanging in the Christmas trees at Home Depot. I thought it was hilarious because they still have some Halloween <laughs> stuff for sale. I thought it was absolutely oh hilarious. Um, yeah, I've been but, seeing Christmas uh, yeah, stuff the dark into the stores the past couple of weeks, so you're right. Yeah. slowly not sneaking in. That. Come on. Come on. No, I'm not either. We can wait until I after not Thanksgiving. Like... Exactly. I don't like it that early. I love me some Christmas carols, but I don't like them till. Right after Thanksgiving, and I play them all season long. But uh, right. yeah, I, I I don't like getting a jump on things. So anyway, what's happening out in your neck of the woods? Um, let's see. I I, I I was thinking about some more kitchen Nazi stuff because um, I <laughs> I tend to be a kitchen Nazi, and I've been called that. Um, uh, because, uh, from, from what I can tell, and I, you know, I hate to make this a, a foodie show, but it, it seemed like when we were talking about your air fryer catching on fire and, and, you know, toaster ovens catching on fire and stuff like that, that people actually were listening and were like, wow, we actually have an understanding, a better understanding now of the way we should actually use our, you know, toaster oven. Um, I don't know if you've got any, anybody calling about your, uh, about your fryer. 
Did you get any we are any a calls very on that? Educational show, Craig. We are very educational. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> we, are we are we an educational show now? We should be getting some <laughs> education uh, grants. Then is what we should do. We should look into some we, grants we will from be, the government. Uh, podcasting over on PBS any day now I'm sure Teach, of it. we teaching are just people so... teaching people how to uh, <laughs> how to behave when they're you know just doing something simple like dishes um, you, I, you know it's like I, I don't know man it, it, it's really tough for me because like I said all my kitchen Nazi stuff is based on 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 science it's all based on science and it's based on healthy living and it's what we cook and it's where we cook and it's what we eat and it's where we eat. So you got to keep that area at least clean, you know, and you can't be, you know, like, I don't know, like, like one of my like serious pet peeves is the sponges and, and people, you have to wring out your sponges. All right. Because there's a, just a whole bunch of bacteria that just go all yeah, over. Yeah, they're them. the most bacteria-ridden thing in your entire oh, kitchen, bathroom, oh, anywhere. Oh, dude, there's yeah, sponges so are the worst. much bacteria on your on your dish sponge, and right. even if you're using soap, all you're doing is soaping up the bacteria. So, you know, it's what I don't even know what that does to them. Slow them down. Well, the only thing no that kills bacteria is heat or cold. You have to have over 165 degrees or under 42 degrees, I believe it is. That's the only thing that kills right. bacteria so, is heat and cold. So you're not you're not actually doing anything with your with your dish soap. I mean, and, and with if you're just rinsing off your dishes and using the sponge, you're not actually right. like sanitizing your dishes. And 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 I'm always like, you know, just immediately after use. I'm even before I'm eating, I'm doing dishes. And it's like immediately after use, just rinse them off and then throw them into this thing called a dishwasher, which it's not named <laughs> right. It's a dish Correct. sterilizer be a dish because it'll get up right. to 100. Yeah, dish sanitizer. It's not a dishwasher. So if you put dirty dishes into that thing, that box that's in your kitchen that says dishwasher on it, it is not a dishwasher. You'll have a, just a bunch of food all just stuck up into the top of it, all stuck up in the filters and the pipes. All over that machine will be just chunks of food. Just rinse them off in the first place. So just immediately after use. That's all. That's where I'm at. It's just immediately after you use something, rinse it off, and then throw it into the dish sanitizer. That box. That's that that the machine that's sitting there um, next to you. Uh, and then run your dish sanitizer, and then you'll most likely have clean dishes. So. Yep. You'll at least have there's uh, there's my little kitchen Nazi thing and throw away throw away those dirty ass sponges. If you have a sponge that's been there for you know six months and it's all like rusty and crusty and stuff, throw it away. (laughs) Dude, I'm all about those scrubby sponges, scrubby on one side and sponge on the other. And I go to the dollar store and buy like baskets full yeah, of those things, book. and I change them yeah, all dude, the time. Like five I change them all the time. They're five yep, cents. Exactly. Dude, I'm changing them out at least once a week. I change stuff out. And I have yep. multiple sponges, like for greasy, you know, for, for greasy stovetop stuff, you know, and you got to let that stuff soak before you wipe it off. Otherwise, your sponge just turns into immediate grease ball. 
It's you know, it, it's got grease all over it. So you you have to let that stuff soak and then rinse it off and then and then wring out your sponges because otherwise you're just growing bacteria. And then throw your sponges you away. When they get just nasty, just throw them away. They're five cents. And this has been a public service anyway. announcement from standing on my soapbox <laughs> right here. Uh, WFMJ. I love it. No, Another that's very true, though. I'm the same way. Kitchen I, mean, I, I was in restaurant business for 20 years, so I know all about it. I had to go through serve safe courses and all the food bacteria stuff. I know exactly what you're talking about. You are 100% correct. Right. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. They say the sponges are the worst thing. If you see sponges laying around, even dish towels, you look at those bar towels. Um, that they use to clean off the bar and stuff like that, or clean off your yeah. tables. If those things aren't yeah. sanitized and changed every once in a while, they're really just spreading germs all over your table. That's why you catch a cold all when you've gone table. out to eat or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> they haven't really, unless yeah. it's a desanitizer, unless it's a hot water ranked. or something like that, it's got uh, to be done correctly. And have towels. a sanitizer in the solution. And towels in your kitchen, too. Don't use them to wipe off food from your hands. Rinse your hands, then wipe the water onto your towels. That way your towels will there last you go. longer. But you got you to gotta chuck those into the laundry quick, man. Those, you know, once you use a towel in the kitchen, like, what, twice? You got to just chuck it in the laundry. Yeah, I got a drawer dirty. in the kitchen filled so. with nothing but towels because I change, all the, I change yep. my sponges and towels very regularly from being in restaurant business for such a long time. So, See, I it is, it, no, it's good. It's good that we talk about this stuff because I think yeah, people don't we're... actually get it. I think that people, you know, and that's what I've been told, actually, is that people don't actually get it. Right. Well, we have a very special guest coming on in about another six minutes or so here, so we're looking forward to that. There's a lot of news going on today, of course. We lost a uh, House of Representatives from Maryland, Representative Elijah Cummings, passed away today, only 68 years old, had health problems for quite a while, uh, was chairman of, I forget which committee, but he passed away after a short illness. So we have that going on in Congress today. We have a ceasefire in Syria negotiated. So just to keep you up on to speed in case uh, you're keeping score here, the president told the Turkish person, go ahead and come invade the Kurds. Then he yelled at him for invading the Kurds. And then he sent Mike Pence out over there to negotiate a ceasefire. And so Pence went there to negotiate a ceasefire, and the condition of the ceasefire is for the Kurds to retreat and go away. So it's been a very interesting turn of events over there. Um, Where are they retreating to? I don't know. They're supposed to leave off this little zone area. I'm still following the breaking story on it. Uh, It's still not uh, 100% clear. So that's kind of exciting stuff going on right now. Um, yeah, nothing's clear about that. No, not at all. And I don't think it's clear as anybody. So uh, so that's in the news right now. And we'll, we'll see more as that goes on. So the people that were our allies um, two weeks ago, we are now helping them retreat and move out of the area that we fought alongside them two weeks ago. And we are pushing them out. So that's that's what happens in two weeks in the Middle East. 
when uh, when you don't have strong leadership in foreign affairs. So that's happening. And along with that, we have uh, the G7 that we are hosting next time has been decided to go at Trump's Doral How come it keeps Hotel changing? in Florida. How come, it, how come it keeps changing? Like there was a G20 su- uh, uh, summit at one point. So how come it keeps going back and forth between, there are between different, all these countries? Like, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there are different treaties. G7 was G8 for a long time until they kicked out Russia after they invaded Ukraine. But it was right. G8 for a long time. Then it went to G7 because they kicked out Russia. Um, so it, it depends on the treaties. Different treaties have different G-whatevers. So the G7 okay. right now is of seven allies over a certain treaty, and I can't tell you which one, but it has France, Canada, England, a couple other places. So I can't tell you all of them. But they just had the meeting not too long ago in France. France hosted it last. So now we are scheduled to host it. And, of course, of the 10 places, supposedly, they found the best place they could find is Trump's Doral in Miami, Florida. So he's going to be – they say he's not going to be making money off this. But uh, really, really, I don't I've been there. I've been there. We stayed at the uh, the Marriott, which is right next to the uh, uh, Trump Doral. And, uh, right. yeah, dude, uh, the golf course that we looked at, oh, my, wow, it was just a joke. It was not well taken care of. It, it, dude, it, it was really just disgusting. I don't know what they've done right. with it since because I think they built, they tore it all up and they built a bunch of buildings. There's like a – there's a whole downtown Doral now, um, right. so where there wasn't before, and when we stayed there, that's that, it, Doral is a is a suburb of Miami, um, and uh, it's like just west of Miami, and uh, that's where a lot of little that's where the Screen Actors Guild building is, and that's where um, Telemundo is located, and there's a whole bunch of studios there. So um, I just love that they supposedly checked out 12 Univision. locations, including Hawaii, and that just happened to be the best one of the 12. Like, wow. really? Are you, are you serious on this? Wow. <laughs> just happens to be owned by our Yeah, president. that's not good. Yeah. So that's it. That's um, I just some got really, there's our some our really expensive today. French fries there. We are going to be just a foodie show today. Dude, I paid $15 for French fries. Fifteen dollars, really? yeah. yeah, at the restaurant at Trump Terrell. and I'm like, oh uh, dude, fifteen dollars, and they had ninety eight dollars steaks, and I'm like, ninety eight dollars, what? I mean, there it better have gold in it if I'm eating a ninety eight dollars steak. That's crazy. Yeah, that's not Kobe beef that's been rocked to sleep every night by the farmer. I'm not paying ninety eight bucks for a steak. That's for sure. Yeah. Gosh. That's crazy. Crazy. The, the the amount of money that you have to spend there for food. Just insane. It's got a message that our guest is in the airport in Denver, so we knew he was calling from. He's got a couple issues he's going Sweet. through, so he may be five minutes late or so. So we're waiting yeah, for right. Scott Schwartz to call in any moment now. We'll get to him as quick as we can. So we keep going through a little bit more of the news here. Yeah, he's doing, um, uh, and he'll probably talk about it. He's doing a, um, uh, one of, uh, 
Ian Zeering's Ian Zeering's got a, a, a cable show of some kind. I, I don't even know what it is. Um, and he was just a guest on it. So that's oh, what nice. he's doing in, in Denver from what I understand. But he'll talk he'll talk about it. Unless he's not allowed to talk about it and maybe I just blew like a non disclosure agreement that I didn't sign. There you go. We will find maybe out. Nobody's supposed to know. We will find out. Ian who? Nine oh two where? I don't Here. know. Nine oh two what? You know? Uh, let's go to a couple other little things. One of the things I was happy to find today is uh, one of the Sandy Hook fathers won a $450,000 jury settlement today from yeah, one of these the conspiracy of, uh, theorists who said that he yeah, no, he's the author the of a book that he's the author. Nobody died at Sandy Hook is the, right. is the name of the book. And, um, yeah, he got sued um, by one of the parents of one of the children that died at Sandy Hook. And uh, the the father um, won the lawsuit. The da- you know, yeah, 450000 which is good. Yeah. The book has been taken eh. off the shelves. I don't know if that's good. enough. I don't know if that's well, enough. Yeah. They've been going against, you know, they, they've been saying Sandy Hook didn't happen since Sandy Hook happened. So, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know, man. You know, they've been calling that. Well, there's that still a, a case what's pending the, against that Infowars guy, that Alex Jones <clears throat> dude. That's a big conspiracy nut. There's still a case pending against him, so he'll probably win another case against that nut job. But uh, yeah. yeah, so this guy's son six was one of the youngest killed there uh, in Sandy Hook. So, I mean, there's not much money is not going to do anything to bring back the son. So he, I'm sure he doesn't no, even care about the money. You know, it, 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 it'll only nail the, it'll only nail the author and hopefully shut the author up. You know, that's why right. I think it's not enough. I think whatever he made off of that book is should be going to the parents who lost children at Sandy Hook. At Sandy oh, if he Hook. made more than dollars off that book, I would, Yep. Want to shoot myself anyway? Because that, that there's yeah, that I mean, many people did. that are buying that book, thinking that that conspiracy is true, that would really dishearten me in America. <laughs> I'm already disheartened enough. Don't tell me four hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of people bought this dang book. I hope not. I, nobody died at Sandy. I'm hoping he sold five copies. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy stuff. All right, that's all the big stuff I had. I just wanted to do a couple of things since we're having our guests coming on soon, so I didn't look up too much in news. There's lots of stuff happening, of course, um, but we will talk more about that tomorrow when we wrap up the week. So if you guys want to give us a call uh, over the next hour, if you did have you any see the uh, Singer? questions. Any what? Did you, see, did you watch a Mass Singer? Oh, yes, we can talk about Mass Singer. <sighs> Yes. yes, I thought they were. I was impressed with Jenny McCarthy for guessing who it was. Yeah, for guessing Paul Schaefer. Yeah, no, that was yeah. that was really actually very cool. I, when he sang the second time, I was like, "Dude, that's not Martin Short," because they were guessing Martin Short, and and right, know, right. I could see Martin Short doing something like this as well, but but I'm like, I've never heard that. Like, how did he get that type of? Uh, well, it was like a fat domino and a and a like a Cole Porter type feel, you know. Right. How did Martin Short do that? And I'm like, no, it's it's not <laughs> Martin Short. And then yeah, Jenny McCarthy was just like, uh, yeah, no, that's Paul Schaefer. She called it out. 
Yep, she called it and was right on target. And I didn't. I was thinking Martin Short until then too, but and I didn't catch the the orchestra and the thing clues that they did it. And he did a great job. I was surprised. He sang very good last night. All six of them did amazing. I thought. I mean, they weren't. He he wasn't one of the best, but they were all good. I mean, the flamingo and wow, the, flamingo is uh, really good. Black Widow are both amazing. Yep. Yeah. I didn't really see what brought Thingamajig brought everyone to tears. I mean, it was a good rendition of the song, but I didn't understand how all right. the girls were just weepy over it. No, even all the Ken women, Jong yeah, dude, all the women were all crying, and I'm like, what's what, what's happening here? You know, I'm I missed like, it. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't get, get it. it. I missed it too. I thought it was okay singing, but I just did not <clears> get it. Yeah, um, he's got a great voice. Yeah, it was a good voice. It was a good voice, but I didn't get swoon worthy cry worthy over it it just it surprised me right. a bit to be honest but uh right. it's a great show five weeks left or four weeks left obviously uh there's only five people left in it so going to be interesting to see who takes it all i'm still not sure who's who on it i thought uh someone said fantasia might be the flamingo and i thought that was good then right. fantasia might be the black widow and um, right. That could be it too, because the, the one of the clues was the badonkadonk rear end, and that sounds like a black artist. So uh, unless you're Kim Kardashian, I don't think she sings. So who knows? Who knows? I, she um, might. I don't know. I, from what I understand, um, from what I understand, the deal that Chris uh, Kardashian was doing with um, uh, with E in order to get the Kardashians on the air. Uh, was a the, the deal was hey look my daughters have no talent whatsoever so what can we do to make them shine in order to make this an interesting show because they have no talent it's how she right. pitched her <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up because I'm like yes they have no talent and they are multi-millionaires and you know huge influencers so, um, you know, it, 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 I think it's really funny that that's the way she pitched it. And so I'm not sure that Kim actually sings. So I'm not sure any of them sing. I, I'm pretty sure none of them do. So that's why, you know, she had to pitch the show that way. And that show has been on the air for what? How many years now? I think in like 18 or something stupid. Yeah, no, they're on some for sure. Yeah, they're on something really dumb as far as how many seasons they've had. I'm stupid. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. It's been on crazy long. They've made bank off that and their social media. I mean, they, they knew how to, they knew how to uh, ride the new wave of social media. That's for sure. Yep. But yep. If you're not watching the mass singer, it's on Fox on Wednesdays, get yourself involved. I got into it last year. My buddy, Margaret Cho was on it last year. And I guess she was on. I told her, and she wouldn't say anything. But then I was able to say, ha, 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 I told you. Nice. Um, but I honestly don't know who these other five are. I don't I don't know who any of them are. I think Fantasia might be one of them. I think that's a good guess. But I don't know who who they would be. So that was good. I also um, – Yeah, I don't know who Thingamajig is. I was thinking, you know, because they, didn't they say that Thingamajig was a part of the, the like, 
I, like he was he, he was saying stuff about being prime time, and and I was like, Deion Sanders was his nickname prime time, and I, you know he's guess. been very a sports person. A lot of them are thinking it's a sports yeah. person, so that's a good idea. And it's a tall person. So we'll and and I don't know how yeah. tall Dion is, but, I mean, he was nicknamed Neon Dion. And because of how, like, flamboyant he is in, in his performances when he's playing, like you like to say, sports ball, because right. he actually played both, both football and baseball and played them both expertly. Like you know, he's a he's really in that good neon football player. Green suit. So, yeah, yeah he's guess. in the thingamajig. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking that's uh, a little Deion Sanders there, is what I'm thinking. He's probably not little. He's Very really interesting. That's yeah. an interesting guess. I like that. Yeah, and from they, the clues and stuff like that. Basketball people, because he said something about magic. So someone went to an Orlando Magic basketball player, I think. I don't remember. Right. Um, but they're thinking it's some kind of a sports ball person. But I like I like your Deion Sanders. Those other things might uh, be a little interesting there. Very very cool. And he's a commentator. Uh, Deion Sanders has been a commentator for years now um, on for the NFL. So you know right. it's quite possible that that it's him. That's my guess on on Thingamajig. I just didn't know that he could sing. Obviously he yeah. can if it's, if it's Deion Sanders. So. Because he can sing. <laughs> Whoever it is underneath there can sing. This is true. No, it's it, it's good. It's fun calling Paul along, and I'm, and I'm very excited about the show. So they've been and I guess I was talking to Margaret about it, and they are none of them know who each other are. Them and their right. entourage have to come in in costume or disguise or covered. So even the people really? that come with them have to be disguised because people know who people's assistants are and things like that and everything. Right. So even their entourage comes, come in, has to come um, in, in mass of some kind. <laughs> disguised wow. Of some kind, the as those matches, but either something over their head, a jacket with glasses or right. something, just they have to be disguised in some way or another. They don't let any of them, uh, any of them do. And they don't talk to each other in between time. So they don't know the, right. the singers don't know who the other singers are. And it's very interesting wow. the way they're doing it. They're holding it very close to the vest, which I think is what's a lot of privacy. Part of the fun out of it. Yeah. It makes a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what, that's what keeps it fun because otherwise there would be a whole bunch of, you know, spoilers. There would be a bunch of people saying a whole bunch of stuff. You know, like I said about right. the non-disclosure agreements, they, they take those serious obviously over there oh, yeah. the mask. So, because I haven't heard anything about it, it is this person or it is that person. You know, I haven't heard anything yeah, about no, that. I don't, where none it's of them leaked. know. Nick Cannon doesn't know because usually the hosts know. Like Ryan Seacrest knows he's going to get eliminated each week and everything. But even like Nick Cannon doesn't know who any of these people are. Doesn't know he's who's a little closer there. to him. He gets the clues, but yeah. Right. I would love to watch. I thought film, it was really I don't funny. Think it's filmed live. I, I don't think. I thought I think it was. It's live, but it's not live. It, it, I mean, the show is live on tape, so they're doing it live right. in front of a studio audience. But I think since there's no outside voting except for the studio audience and the judges, that I don't think it's right. live. I think they probably already taped everything. So um, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's live or if it's not. I thought it was really funny when somebody guessed Mariah Carey for Black Widow, and that he was, was up there – 
and Nick Cannon was <laughs> holding their hand, and and he's like, "Yeah, this is why we've been up here holding hands the whole time." <laughs> I thought it was really funny. It was very funny. It was very funny. I liked it a lot. All right. Well, we are at about 27 after. We're hoping our guests are going to be able to okay. call in pretty soon, having a little bit of airport issues. Let's go ahead. Yeah, and he's got to go through TSA, a- dude. I he's got to go through TSA at Denver, no less. And at Denver, you got to go through TSA, which is really long. And then you got to travel down. You got to take these to the gate. You got to take these trams. So he may be on a tram right now and actually not able to call. So, well, let's go ahead and uh, we'll do a little Hayden Joseph to thrill the chase. Oh, I think he's calling in right now. Yay. All right. We'll go ahead and take a quick music break. We're going to go ahead and get Scott on the line. Guys, you listen to Standing on My Soapbox with Scott and Craig. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. This was fun. I hope we do it again. But make me wait a while before giving in.
All righty, guys. We are back. Welcome back to Standing on My Soapbox. I'm Scott. That's Craig. And just a couple of seconds, we're going to have our very special guest on today who is moving his way through the Denver airport. And uh, so we may drop him once or twice, but he's back on the I was, line. I was correct. No, I was correct. He called us from, when we were off air just now playing that song. He, uh, he called us from the tram that is just going underneath the, uh, the uh, um, runways there in, in Denver. And I want to talk, I want to talk on air about how creepy that airport is too. I just, All right, well, let's bring him on here. As I said earlier, he was a child actor who was in such great movies as The Toy with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason, the iconic A Christmas Story, as well as other films like Kid Co. He has since went into the collectible trading and card industry with his father. He's both created and procured celebrity autographs for his own separate lines. He was also president of a minor consideration, an organization that advocates for child performers, a cause he has been passionate about. So please welcome to the show for the first time, Mr. Scott Schwartz. Scott, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you guys? What's going on, Scott? We are great. Oh, listen, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can make the show. This is great. Making my way through the, uh, the wonderful Denver airport. Did you see any of? Do you see any of the things that I was talking to you about? There's like creepy murals oh, no. in oh, there, yeah. and yeah, no, well, and there's there's like garbage. Yeah, there's garbage. Oh yeah, I've seen all kinds of the statues here. It's it's a pretty weird it's airport. Cases. It, <laughs> it's creepy, man. And of course, it's creepy. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you place. taking the time to come on today, man. Um, Give everyone a quick little background for you. Uh, talk about um, where you're at now, what, you, what you've been doing, and uh, what brings yeah, you Yeah, why you're in Denver. Uh, I'm in Denver. I'm doing uh, uh, Ian Ziering from Beverly Hills 90210. He's hosting a new show on the Food Network uh, called nice. the Food Network Challenge. And uh, they're doing a special Christmas show and they called me up and they wanted me to come on as a special guest, so I said I would. I only met Ian a couple of times. I only because I did an episode of 90210 where I beat up Luke Perry, and uh, <laughs> I only met Ian a couple of times. So, um, and he always seemed like just a really sweet guy to me. I didn't, I didn't have any problems with him at all. He's a really cool Jersey guy. Life at all, Scott? Am I my what? My personal life. Are you a foodie at all in your personal life? Do you are you a foodie type guy, or what? What made this of interest to you? Uh, well, Ian and I have known each other for thirty years. We've been friends. So ah. he called me on the phone. He's like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. I want you to come and do it." Said, sure, okay, fine. And it just worked <laughs> out. We could work it into a schedule. And okay, cool. You know, when your friends call you, okay, you, you want to come and do something? Sure. What'd you guys make? I love it. Oh no, I can't reveal what it was. Oh, but I'll just reveal. say the theme the theme <laughs> of the show is a Christmas story cooking competition. Oh so nice. you, can, nice. you can let your imagination run wild with the different things that they made. <laughs> Excellent. I have I gotta tell you, Scott, I have lots of friends listening in today. I actually live uh outside of Youngstown, Ohio, so we're an hour away from Cleveland where the Christmas story house is, I think about every other house on my block has a 
lady's lampshade leg with her fishnet stocking. So people are excited to be talking to you today, brother. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, listen, you know, I mean, Youngstown, Ohio, you know, they can go away from being known as the steel town to the electric sex in the window town. There you go. Exactly. That's exactly what we have. We have we have a a leg in every window, so to speak. Well, talk about this. I mean, you were um, – how old were you when you first started doing these movies? I mean, your first two big movies were back in the early 80s with The Toy and – with uh, a Christmas story, how old were yeah, you? Yeah, dude, I want to hear. I want to hear about Jackie. Commercial, I want right? to hear about Jackie Gleason and and uh, Richard Pryor. I want to hear. <laughs> about those I guys actually, now. I did, I did, I did the toy while I was shooting the toy. I turned fourteen, and then a couple months later, I shot Kidco, and then a couple months after that, I started. I did uh, Christmas Story, so I was thirteen, fourteen. Uh, Gleason, uh, he was. How do you, I mean? How can you say it? He was Jackie Gleason. He was the great one. So, I mean, example is wow. on the set. You had to call him Mr. Gleason or the great one. Oh, nice. That was that was what nice. he did. Was it? Hey, Jackie, what's up? Jack, what's up? Nope. It was Mr. Gleason. Nope. Or you could say, excuse me, great one, wow. come here, please. No. You know, whereas like Richard Pryor was the total opposite. You know. Nice. I saw an interview you did where you said that you and Jackie Gleason had a lot of long conversations. He was kind of an interesting guy. He's like believe in the paranormal and UFOs and was afraid to fly. What kind of conversation did you guys have? Well, he did. He was afraid to fly. I know that for a fact because they drove him. um, But even back into the 50s when he was doing the Jackie Gleason show when he lived in Miami, they would car service him from Miami to New York to NBC or CBS to do the Jackie Gleason show. He did not fly. Oh, wow. I mean, my, my conversations with him, I was a Smokey and the Bandit junkie. I loved the Honeymooners, and I loved old Hollywood. And when I met him, I did impressions of him. So he knew that I was a fan, but I was a young kid, and I wanted to learn from him. So he was very open if I had questions, or we would just have conversations about different people. And he taught me how to shoot tools. You know, they had the billiards table in, nice. in the house. He taught me how to shoot pool. I mean, you know, he was about as kind to me, I think, as humanly possible, considering he was known to hate to work with dogs and animals. Animals and kids. Don't put me in a movie with an animal <laughs> or a kid. He hated it. Right. You know, but I was, I, was, I was past that, you know, early teen years. So I already I knew who he was. I respected him, yada, yada. And so it worked. Nice. I like, and then prior, you said, was basically almost like a, a second surrogate father. You saw him after he kind of did the whole blew up the house during drug things, but before his comebacks and his multiple sclerosis. Uh, talk about him. How was he to work with? And talk about any stories about him. The best. I got, I got the best part of Richard that, I, that could be possible. You know, when, when he burned himself up. Uh, he wanted to kill himself. He wanted to destroy the Richard that was there, that was the cocaine and the crack guy and all the craziness. And, I mean, it took him burning 70% of his body, but he did it. And what came out of it was somebody who appreciated life, loved life, wanted to share, wanted to give, wanted to teach. And uh, I had the personality that matched his. I was insane. I was crazy. I loved comedy. I loved laughing and making people joke and you know, you can you can ask, you know, Craig's uh, significant other, 
I've always had a good personality, and, and I make jokes and all that kind of stuff, and I've never been politically correct. Yeah, I was going to say, you've known, you've, known Katie, you've known Katie for a long time. And, uh, um, 30, 34 years. Dude, I only remember meeting you one time, and I think it was at Wally Ball in Studio City. Probably, I think, sure. I think, I think that's the only time that you and I got together. But, sorry, I, you've known Katie for, for a long time, dude. Yeah. But, so the thing was is Richard, when, when he and I started, we, it, it, I, I said, hello, Mr. Pryor. It's so nice to meet you. No, 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 no. My, you, know, you call me Richard, Rick. Dick. I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me Mr. Pryor. That's my dad. And I, and I literally nice. said, okay, MF. And I said, okay, MF. And he cracked up, and that was it. We were friends from that day until the day he was gone. And he was my go-to. He's like, listen. You know, we were on the set one day taking a break, and he's like, listen, you're going to have questions in life, women, drugs, sex, whatever it is. Give me a call. I'll tell you what's going to happen because I've done everything you could possibly think of. Oh, wow. So awesome. he was my He was my guy. I love that. Yeah. Now talk about and, that. And too, in the wait, in, 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 wait, in the maybe eight or ten times that I called between eighty three and eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, I was going to say, did you ever did you ever call him on on anything? Oh, sure. I mean, no, no, I if, eight, you know, if I had the opportunity to to use Richard Pryor as a mentor, that would have been you know amazing. So did you? What well, did yeah, you call him again, on? Uh, just different things that came up, you know, I mean, calling them, you know, I mean, most guys, you know, the first time that they indulge with a woman, they tell you their best friend, they tell this one, I called Richard Pryor. That's what I did. You know, nice. True story. That's what that's I picked up the phone. But he never, ever said to me, hey, Scotty, listen, I don't have time, man. You got to call me next week. He never did that. That's how considerate and wonderful he was. Oh, that's great. I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah, that that's very really cool, cool man. And talk about the movie experience for you. I mean, you did a lot of commercials. You did some Broadway and off-Broadway. This is your first movie, and not only were you against all these other kids, but there was also like a contest, a cattle call contest for this role. Talk about grabbing that role. That would be pretty well, Toys, Toys, Toys R Us was doing a Jackie Gleason look-alike contest for a film, and, I mean, they did have a winner, and he did sort of look like him, and they did fly him to L.A. for the uh, screen test, but he couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. So that was the end of that. Um, and, you know, I mean, there was something, there was something around 7,500, 8,000 kids that went up for the role. And, you know, it's what's meant to be. Uh, the, two, the two finalists really were myself and Henry Thomas, the kid from E.T. Oh, okay. And right. he, was, he was much more of a serious type actor than I was. I was the loose cannon. I was the one you just wound up and you let him go, and I bounced off the walls. And for the character, they needed 5%, 3% of emotion and 97% of bouncing off the walls. So I was the right. pick. Yeah, you had that glint in your eye the entire time, definitely. I love that. That's fantastic. And talk about listen, working. Every, I mean, every, day go, every day going to work was a blast. I mean, the cast, the crew, everybody was fun. Richard Donner kept it light. There, this is not a, we're not trying to redo Othello 
you know, we're doing a comedy <laughs> that's about a white kid buying a black guy. I mean, it's right. like, where are you going to go with that? You, you can't make it a serious thing. We probably couldn't even so, do it in today's politically correct uh, climate either, right? <laughs> I mean, it not was, a, it was not a chance. Forget it. Well, first of all, you, yeah, you nobody, think they could get greenlit? You think they could get greenlit right now? Think no, they because there's the, the there's, toy greenlit right this second. No, there's there's no African American or black actor alive who is Richard Pryor, who has a forty year history in Hollywood and the craziness right. and the insanity. So there's listen, you. I don't even want to mention anybody. Oh, maybe this guy. No, it's got to take somebody that wants to do something that in today's marketplace is so politically incorrect that they're right. taking a chance with their whole career. Right. You know, when, when people now are getting, they're getting made fun of or they're being, they're being blacklisted for doing a blackface thing 35 years ago. That's ridiculous. That's right. stupid. Call me on today. Don't call me on the history. If you're going to do that, Okay, Al Jolson, the greatest entertainer of the first half of the century, did blackface for 25 years. He's in Mammy. He's in uh, – uh, there's two other films, Big Top or something like that. Bingo, I can't remember the other film. Jazz Singer, the first sound talking in the history of Hollywood. Al Jolson, a white Jew, is doing blackface. Does it make him a bad guy? No. Did he hate people? No. Did he make fun of them? No. It was the job. That's what they did. Nobody today is going to take that shit. Well said. I like that. Yeah, I agree 100%. Very, very cool. And you talked about Richard Donner for a second here. I mean, this was post-Superman, before Lethal Weapon, but he also did one of my favorite movies of all time, The Goonies. You have an interesting story. You were actually supposed to be in that, right? Talk about that. Well, there's no such thing as supposed to be in that. There were basically two kids left (laughs) for the role of Mouse. It was it was me and the other person's name. I don't mention him by name. His initials are CS, and that's enough for people who know the role of Mouse. Okay, fine. And I go in, I go in, and, and I mean, I'm figuring I worked for Dick Donner already. This should be no problem. I should book this, whatever. Um, and it was funny because I, I go into the, the, the meeting room, and there's Richard Donner and Steven Spielberg. And I had a great chit-chat with them. Okay, fine, whatever. And I'm just getting ready to get up, and Steven Spielberg looks at me, and he goes, Scott, do you, you blow-dry your hair, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. And he goes, you know, you shouldn't do that because it hurts your hair. Do you know since that day I have not blown-dry my hair? Mm-hmm. That's really? a true story. Oh, my goodness. But the, wow. but the fact that I didn't get it, they just chose, uh, they chose CF. And good for him. That's what was meant to be. Right. Nice. <laughs> Let's move on. He, move on to Christmas story he who for a should second. not be named. It's, it's like Harry go. Potter in here. <laughs> move on to Christmas story a second for me, Scott. I mean, uh, you and Peter were kind of from the same place, right? You guys both started with commercials, and now you're doing oh, this, sure. uh, this kids role. Were you guys able to bond over that, or talk about your guys' relationship? You guys are still friends, right? Oh, oh sure. Friends? I just saw Peter three. I, I saw Peter two days ago. No, Pete's Pete's great. He's doing terrific. He's, you know, running Vince Vaughn's production company, and he's got shows on cable, and he's had shows on TBS, and he produces and corrects and, you know, edits. You know, Pete's doing absolutely fantastic. Couldn't be more proud of him. 
That is awesome. I love that. I wanted to go in for a they second talk, to. No, I, I wanted to talk to him about ahead, the collectibles, Greg. man. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt Sorry, you. Uh, I'm just we're going to go way off of our subject matter here, dude. The collectibles stuff because I have a ton of collectibles, a ton of them, and I don't know. You know, I've got a whole bunch of baseball, football, all that stuff, all these cards that I, I'm not doing anything with. And I've got a whole bunch of moving, moving memorabilia too. And I know you guys, you know, do that. And I'm wondering what, what exactly you do in the collectibles and with collectibles. Cause I know you, you have a business with your dad, right? Well, it's no, it's my dad's place. It's not my store. It's his store. I, I mean, I've nice. done stuff for him with him, whatever, but uh, it all depends on what you have. You know, most of the cards from, the mid to late 70s, 80s, 90s, most, not all, but most are just not valuable because they just printed way too many of them. That's just right. the way that that goes. Then you got vintage stuff, graded cards, you know, uh, you know, 80, 86 clear basketball. Is it Michael just Jordan's sports? Sports? Yes, that's expensive. Is it just sports that, that you guys are in? No, I've got a whole oh, bunch no. of, like, Michael Jordan stuff from basketball and stuff like that. You know, I, I got yeah, I got. No, his, but, 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 you know, the non-sports cards or movie cards, if you have movies, uh, cards uh, from Chips or Happy Days. and I mean, individually, they really don't have – one doesn't really have much more of a value than another except, like, the 56 Three Stooges set because the first three right. cards are Larry, Moe, and Curly. Those have a premium. The nice. rest is caca. Wow. Gotcha. And what was we it should like do that, an- we should do that another show. We'll just do that another show, all the collectibles. There you go. Like <laughs> we'll that. do a whole show because on collectibles. That would be very interesting. Talk about um, you've been a great advocate for child stars. As a child star, you were actually the president of a minor consideration, which I talked about, which was founded by Paul William Peterson, who's on the Mickey Mouse Club. Talk about your work in that and why it's so important to you. What did you learn? From those years, uh, I learned a lot about the system, and I don't mean the Hollywood system, or some of the Hollywood system, but more the governmental system of what they do, what cities or what states allow certain things, and what states, you know, protect children, which is not very many of them. Um, you 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 learn, you know, people's quirks, you know, who who does this, who does that, they need help with this, they need help with that. Uh, you know, really a minor consideration was set up to help former, current, and future child stars have a future. You know, you want them to be healthy and well, be able to understand where their money goes. You know, uh, m- most things are not taught to kids Kids in show business. It's like it, sh- it should be taught to every one of them. Teach them an accounting class, how to balance a checkbook, how to understand right. finance. They don't do this. They throw them into the mix, and they go, hey, listen, this is great. Uh, this is your show, and you're going to make uh, $4,000 a week, and you're 14 years old. Great. I got a lot of money. Well, okay, the show runs two or three years, then you're making 8000 a week. The show gets canceled, and you piss all the money away. What happened? Right. Why didn't anybody tell you this? You know, while a minor consideration was trying to get the studios and TV people to come on board with letting us talk to the child actors, they had no interest in that whatsoever. None. Because they don't want to educate anybody. They want to keep them dumb and stupid. Yeah. 
We're going to talk about that today. Even adult actors who don't go to school, everything, are are relying upon managers and agents that if they they don't learn something about finances, you're going to get hosed down the line somewhere. Um, Where do you really start to control your own destiny? Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday. It's not an agent's job to keep track of the money. It's a mother and a father's job to keep track of their kid's money. Now, if the kid is 12, 13, 14, let's let's say 14 or 15 years old, by that point, you should be able to look at a checkbook and understand. Yeah, okay. Yeah, dude. You you should be able to totally take care of yourself. You know, most of them, their egos get out of hand. They don't understand what's going to happen, and they think the gravy train is never going to end. You know, and that's what happens. You know, there's child stars over the last 15 years that they've done five, six, seven, eight years on a series, and somehow they have no money. Right. And that makes no logical sense. You know, the Coogan Law is 15%, you know, the put aside for the kids and whatever. I argued it should be 25%, and I, and I argued for it. And sometimes I get people that agree with me, and sometimes I get people that don't agree with me. You know, and it's right. mostly, it's funny, mostly parents of kids in the industry who don't agree. And I'm like, why are you not agreeing with me? This is your kid's future. Because you don't want to work, you want to take 40% of your kid's money. That's what you're willing to piss away your kid's future so you don't have to go to work and get a real job. You're going to ride their coattails. They do it. The kids, right. the kids trust the kids trust their parents, man. You know, who are you and you're supposed to growing up. You're supposed to trust your parents, and they're you're four your years old, six years old, off. eight years old. You trust yep. mommy and daddy, and at the end of the day, it's sort of you know a thing where a certain percentage, not a large percentage, but a certain percentage of parents forget. It's not their kids' right. jobs to feed them. It's their job to feed their kids. Yeah, well, I kind of feel like here. that's forever. I kind of feel like that's forever, that that parents need to, you know, if, if you had a kid, then you are completely responsible for the rest of your life because you had that kid for that kid. Even if they're, you know, 70 years old and you're 90, you're still responsible for that kid. So you know, and, and well, making sure that, that I wouldn't say responsible. You got to have some. I, I self, even go no. I go all being to being an adult, and especially if they, you know they abused them when they were younger by taking all of their money. So that to me, it, listen, it's like it's committing a monster sin for any parent to just blatantly take their kids' money like that. Now, if mom is a stay-at-home mom. And we get that. Well, the kid gets a TV series, needs somebody with them. Mom was a stay-at-home mom anyway. Okay, fine. I get that part of it. The problem is, is when the stay-at-home mom is now taking a 10 or 15% salary from their or kid more. for doing the same right. job as they've been doing at home. They're just watching over their kids. And true, there exactly. are production companies, usually if you negotiate the contract, right, that's, that's what's really important is that these kids read the contract, that they understand the contracts. Don't leave it up to nah, anybody kids, else. We, even nah, if you're most 14, kids, most you know, kids, no, most kids look under up the words. 14, most, but most won't get it. Most don't understand it. They don't understand the value of a dollar. 
they, they don't understand a lot of things that are in there. In my case, I mean, I did the, the films. I was 13 going on 14. I had a head for finance. I had a head for business. I was already doing, you know, the commercials. And I knew what was coming and going out. And, you know, it's like, hey, Dad, I want to get a new pinball machine. It's uh, $2,400. And I'm like, you know, I did 17 jobs in the past six months. You know, there's 58000 in the account. You're going to take $2,400 and go buy me this pinball machine. Okay. But that's not everybody. Nice. Yeah. That's few and far between. Right. Right. Good for you, man. Well, I appreciate your work on that. We definitely need to go. Because we're a little behind time because of the airport difficulties, let's go ahead and talk about some upcoming promotions. I mean, you've been doing Comic-Cons for a while. A lot of my good friends do those. Talk about the draw of those, What what's exciting about them, what's not fun about them. Because you're going to be for Philly in early December, right? Yeah, I'm going to be at the Philly show uh, in the King of in King of Prussia. That's the name of the city, King of Prussia. Uh, it's called the Philly Show. You can, you know, uh, it's called I think it's phillyshow.com or the phillyshow.com. Um, and they have 70 or 80 athletes, Hall of Famers from baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever. And they started bringing in pop culture people. So I'm I'm going to that uh, December 6th, 7th, 8th. And then I'm out in York, Pennsylvania. I don't even know the name of the guy's store off the top of my head. Uh, and then I'm at, uh, I think it's A&R Collectibles in Flemington, New Jersey on December 11th. But, I, but next weekend I have Chiller Theater in Parsippany, New Jersey, which is a humongous show, pop culture. They've got a Warriors reunion in 19. 19- 79 movie with Michael Beck and Deborah Van Valkenburg nice. and whatever. And they've got Cassandra Peterson, you know, Elvira, uh, Mark Langfield from Fridays, uh, you know, with uh, Andy Kaufman and Michael Richards and Larry David. Uh, there's like eight wow. celebrities there. Little House on the Prairie reunion. Christy McNichol, who I love to death, and, and um, David yeah, O'Neill, I know Christy. You know, little darling. Yeah, she's really cool. Again, it's uh, chillertheater.com in Parsippany, and that's uh, next weekend, October 26th, 26th, 27th. You know, hey, my I buddy love doing the shows. I saw we have a, uh, oops, go ahead. Go ahead. I, just, I love doing the shows because you meet people and you travel, and it's it's a, a mutual love fest, especially when I go and there's other people, pop culture. I don't get to see them all the time. You know, and sometimes, you know, you go and you see somebody you haven't seen in 20 years and you're like, oh, my God, how have you been? I've had, to, you know, before email, you know, doing the toy or, you know, some of the other movies. Sure. Like Christmas Story. I get to see Zach. I get to see Scott Farkas, the bully, and sometimes I get to see Grover Dill, and sometimes I get to see, you know, uh, uh, Ian, who played Randy Petrella's little brother. They're fun. Nice. And, and, I get, and then I get to see people I haven't seen in 25 years. You know, uh, one, of, one of the people who was actually kind of key – in his own little way of me being booked for the toy was um, uh, Norman Gibbs, who is one of the two jive guys in Airplane. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I, I, hadn't seen him. I hadn't seen him for damn near 30 years, and I only saw him at my screen test. He screen tested with me. He, he was the guy that did the Richard Pryor part. And here we are 30 years later, and I walked up to him, and I said, hi, how are you? He said, I'm good. I said, I'm sure you don't remember me. He's kind of looking up. And I showed him a – I had a Polaroid of me and him <laughs> sitting on the staircase from my screen test. And he, and he looked at me and goes, oh, my God, this is a long time ago. I said, yes. And I said, it's this, I'm, I said, I was Scotty. I was the one 
who did all the jive talk, and I got the toy. He goes, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then it was like, you know, the phone number and nice. how you've been and what's going on and, you know. I love it. That's fantastic. That's so cool. And, uh, yeah, like I said, that chiller thing, I, I saw on your Facebook page, we have a mutual friend, my buddy Tony Guadagnino in New Jersey goes that every year. And so uh, he's looking forward to that next weekend as well. Um, I know you only have a couple seconds left. We've got to catch some planes and, and wrap this up. Talk about cameo video messaging. You're able to put some videos together for fans. Talk about that and that experience. Yeah, because hey, you know what's so far? Cameo as one, well. one person asked me for a Merry Christmas. And again, it's another way to connect with the fans. You know, that that's simple. It's fairly inexpensive. You know, it's not like it costs 200 bucks. I think it's like $35 or something. You know, right. and uh, you being in a Christmas story is a weird experience now because <laughs> it's so beloved that people watch it in their homes every year, year after year after year. So they feel as though we are a part of their family. So, I mean, people come up right. and they're like, oh, you don't understand. It's my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my brother, my cousin, and, you know. Oh, we sit and we watch and we watch 24 hours and I'll go to sleep and I'll wake up in the morning and I still have my television and, you know, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Well, can you come over and meet the family? I mean, that's what happens. I love it. (laughs) You know, I mean, I was was doing um, a show in Dallas and uh, it was, I want to say 20 minutes from the airport, something like that. And uh, at the baggage terminal, I was waiting for somebody to come pick me up, you know, for my ride to the hotel. And I'm on my phone, and there's a guy standing next to me, and he realized who I was. Okay, he recognizes me. And the guy that's supposed to pick me up, it was a problem with his car. I don't know if it was a flat tire or something, whatever. And it was going to take him 45 minutes or an hour. And I'm like, you know what, I'll hang out, whatever, I'll go outside. All right, whatever, whatever, whatever. I, you know. And I get off the phone, I said, I'll hang out by the bag, you know, by the baggage. Okay, fine. So the guy standing next to me goes, I got to tell you something. Um, Scott, I got to tell you. A monster fan, dude. If you need a ride to the hotel, please jump in my car. I'll take you to the hotel. You know, and he and he lived like ten minutes past the hotel or something like that. But I mean, it's people going out of their way to be kind because they feel That's like awesome. a family. Right. Fantastic. That, that is really awesome. cool, dude. Um, yeah, and I, I'm actually very honored uh, to know you. Um, I. I, you know, it, it's people like, cause I, I grew up, you know, doing the same thing and I was watching Christmas story and I was watching, you know, even though you're uh, slightly younger than me, um, I'm still, you know, a, a big fan of all of those every year I sit and I watch, you know, everything that's out the, the frosties and the, and the Rudolphs and all that. And it, that collection. And I think it's, I mean, I actually own, a Christmas story and, and, and VHS DVD. And then I watch it every year when it's on. And, and it's like, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm really honored to actually know, you know, you, um, and because you're, you're a part of that. And, uh, and, and like you said, you know, it, it is like your family. And even though, you know, I'm, I've been involved in the business forever. Um, it's still, I get it from an audience point of view that you, you come into our living rooms every Christmas season and we're always, 
Like, you know, we're, we're always hoping and, and that's what Christmas is about. It's about what's, you know, what, what the gifts that we have in this life and, and the, and honoring those as well. And, and then honoring the people around you and then looking forward to what's coming up, you know, in, in the next year and all of that. And you are a part of that for all of us that are audiences, you know, where we see you on, on an annual basis in a time when we need the most hope and we have. The most hope. So I think, it, I think it's just really cool that, that you were a part of that as a kid. Dude. It's, you know, it's not something I planned. It's just what was supposed to be. Why was I picked out from the, the group of kids I was around or with? You know, why me? I don't know. That's what was meant to be. You know, why is there, you know, people that live to be, you know, 98 or 104 and other people, they live to be 32 when they have massive heart attacks. It's what's meant to be. I was supposed to live this life, be the way I am and give the messages that I give. Now, did I have help along the way? Sure. Did I have guidance? Absolutely. Richard Pryor is the number one, you know, guidance person ever in my life. The most generous with his time, his words, his you know, teaching me, you know, no, I didn't smoke crack with them. I mean, you know, people have asked me that. It's hysterical. But, um, you know, truly, I am blessed to, you know, be here, be in the life that I have, and be able to be a positive influence. You don't want to be a negative influence. There's no reason. Life is too short. The world is miserable enough because people are morons. And if they all looked at it in a positive light, the world would be so much of a better place. There you go. That is a great sentiment to end on, my friend. We are blessed to have you on. We could talk for days. We never got to go into Corey Haim. I want to hear about your dad's Elvis connection, but we are out of time. Do me a favor. Let all of our listeners know where they can follow you on social media, and uh, we'll wrap this up, my friend. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm just on Facebook and I have like 3000 friends. So if you find me on Facebook, you can say hi. And there you go. I'm old school. I still have an AOL email address. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I still have a Gmail. I still have a Gmail. So I'm just as old, dude. I have AOL. (laughs) Get it. Um, but thank you so much, Scotty. I really appreciate you calling in, man. Uh, you know, you this got is, it. We'll talk uh, soon, this Greg. has been a, a great interview, man. Thank you. Uh, listen, we'll, we'll we'll do it again soon when I'm not like this and I'll be on time and I won't be on flying and we can do a whole hour. And I know there were so many more things we discussed we didn't get into, but we'll do it the next time. Cool. Well, we appreciate it, my friend. Safe travels too, and we will have you on soon. Okay. Thanks so much for taking the time. You got it. Have a great night, guys. You, you too. Guys, Scott. Thank you very much. Have a safe Take flight, care. man. You know what? Right, guys, I'm standing outside. I already beep beeped in, but I didn't go because they're all standing on the tar- on the in in the thing getting on the plane. I'm not going to wait on that line. I'd rather talk to you. There you go. I love it. All right, we're going to wrap it up and play right, out dude, with a great night. Uh, this is crazy tonight because tonight has been a crazy fun time, guys. You've been listening to Standing My Soapbox with Scott and Craig. Have a fantastic afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up the week at 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern time right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. Bye-bye.
Why the day to day 